morning, and welcome to the Sunday service of Free Community Church. Thank you for joining us today. And to those of you who are joining us online, we're so glad to have you with us too. Let's take a moment to greet one another. If you're on site, please turn to your neighbor and give them a little wave. For those joining us remotely, please feel free to type a greeting in the chat. Our friendly moderators will be online to respond to any messages in the chat. As we enter into this sacred time, please stand as you're willing and able and join me in the call to worship. Drawn by God's presence, we gather. Inspired by God's spirit, we worship. Empowered by God's grace, we live. We are community. Embraced, embraced by, by the mystery of God's love for all creation. We are a community that looks for the light of Christ. The light that shines in every time, every place, and every life. Within this dynamic community, we foster connections and experiences that bring meaning to life and help us face the issues of the day. Together, we strive to live with loving hearts, open minds, and hands extended to all. Welcome home. Amen. Let's remain standing and join our hearts and voices in a time of praise and worship. Land of my will by yours be done Shake my foundations till I come undone And let my walls fall to the ground Build my heart to face the sound And all my will, but yours be done. Shame my foundations till I come undone. And let my walls fall to the ground. Build my heart to face the sound of your voice calling me. To rise from the dead, I hear your voice calling me to trust you instead. I hear your voice calling me to move out in faith. I hear your voice, I hear your voice. I have been healed, I'm whole again.
time has come You're doing a new thing You're doing a new thing Behold, a hope springs forth The river is flowing The river is flowing Behold, the time has come your voice and sing. Behold, we lift our voice. Our praises are rising. Our praises are rising. I hear your voice. I hear your voice. I hear your voice. I have been healed. I'm whole again. I hear your voice.
be seated. There are different kinds of prayers. Today, I will lead us in a prayer of confession. Recently, I've been confronted about displaying unkindness at work. It reminded me that it's easy to be a good person when you're around people, well, when I'm around people I get along with, or who let me have what I want. But the real test of Christ-likeness is when I have to work with people whom I find difficult. Within the safety of God's unconditional love, let us confess our sin before God and with each other. Almighty God, in raising Jesus from the grave, you shattered the power of sin and death. And yet, we confess that we remain captive to doubt and fear.
bound by the ways that lead to death. We overlook the poor and the hungry and pass by those who mourn. We're deaf to the cries of the oppressed and indifferent to calls for peace. We despise the weak and abuse the earth you made. We have not been kind to each other or ourselves. Forgive us, God of mercy. Help us to trust your power to change our lives and make us new, that we may know the joy of life abundant given in Jesus Christ, the risen Lord. Amen. Listen to this assurance from 1 Corinthians 15, 54 to 57. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Dear siblings, believe the good news. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven and are being made whole. Though I'm weak and 
every single breath I'll bring you I'll bring you more than a song For a song in itself It's not much you have required You search much deeper within Through the way things appear You're looking into my heart I'm coming back I'm coming back to the heart of worship And it's all about you It's all about you, Jesus I'm sorry, Lord, for the things I've made of it and it's all about you, it's all about you, Jesus. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. It's all about you, it's all about you, it's all about you Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the things I've made of it. Christ is risen. Christ is still very sleepy. Huh? Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. And this Easter season, we return to the lectionary for our sermon series, Easter Encounters. <clears throat> for those of you who are new to us, we use Menti as an engagement tool so you can participate as we reflect and build up this sermon together. You can scan the QR code that's on the screen right now, or you can go to menti.com and enter the code 56324406. Right? The code is up there, 56324406. Those who are online, probably in the chat, in the <clears throat> YouTube chat, the, um, our friendly moderators will also be posting out that code as well. And um, while people are struggling to log in um, um, to Menti, um, will you pray with me? God, may the words from my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable to you. So today, 
we meet Thomas, and most often known by the passage um, that's in the lectionary today from John chapter 20, verses 19 to 31. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house were the, of the, where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the temple authorities, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Abba God has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If they, you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these, these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the only begotten and that through believing, you may have life in Jesus' name. So I just want to get a survey, right? How may, have you heard someone say we shouldn't be a doubting Thomas? You know, telling you, don't be a doubting Thomas, um, or warning you not to be like that. Um, sorry, uh, when I was... Creating this, I forgot to remove option three, and somebody very naughty got the option there. Put, <laughs> hmm. I'll be more careful the next time, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I say already, and I don't want to go and naughty, naughty. Yeah, unfortunately, this is all anonymous, so I can't go and check. I hope it's not the youth group. <laughs> but then again, our adults here, no, those child, no, young at heart adults also are quite naughty in FTC lah. Yeah, see, as I talk more, more will go there. Okay. So the proportion, many of us, many of us, right, uh, maybe, uh, um, oh, my math is very bad, 25 out. Okay, more than half of us have heard that we shouldn't be adulting Thomas. But I don't think that this is what this passage is trying to say. And often when we read the Bible and we are just reading this passage, we will think that, oh, Thomas is like that, Right? But let us take a... To, so today, I want to invite you to meet Thomas. Right? First, I want to invite you to put yourself in this situation. You're one of the other disciples who have seen Jesus show up and show you his hands and the wound on his side. And you got all excited and you told Thomas, we have seen the Lord. And he says to you, unless I see the mark 
of the nails in his hands and my hand in his side, I will not believe. How would you have reacted? The Bible doesn't say how the other, um, how the other disciples reacted to this response. But if you are one of the other disciples, how would you react to Thomas' statement? You know, imagine Thomas was, you know, you just, you know, the 10 of you were there and saw it. And then you're trying to tell Thomas and then Thomas goes like, unless I see it, I won't believe. <laughs> Wait and see, law. Oh, quite cool. Slap him, what? No violence, please, right? Gasp in, in unbelief. Xiao ah. Roll eyes. Oh, I think roll eyes is a very common reaction. Like, wow. You know, ten of us saw it, and then you, you don't believe. And then we have been, and voila, why, why, why is he like that, right? Because what have all the disciples gone through all these years? I mean, probably about three years journeying together, and you should know Thomas, right? Come and see, be up, believe us, la. Oh, E of little faith, exasperated. So there's many reactions, right? Disappointed, you know, angry, frustrated, try to convince him, try to show more proof. How many of you will empathize with Thomas? Because will you be able to come to the realization? That's, that's exactly what I did to Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the other women who was with them. Because, hey, when these women came and said, you know, the tomb is empty, guess what? These male disciples all didn't believe either. Right? Would we be able to say, I was like Thomas when the women spoke to me? Will we come to that realization that we are actually in Thomas' shoes at a certain point in time? One thing that we can confirm is this the disciples didn't kick him out, even though he didn't believe them. They continued to include him, they continued to consider him a sibling. Who are the Thomases in our midst? Is it someone who asks a lot of questions? Or someone who doubts all the time, someone who disagrees with you, someone who irritates you, annoys you, someone who goes against everything. Every time you have a suggestion, that person will say no or, or challenge those suggestions. Who is that Thomas in our midst? In our membership liturgy, which we went through um, on Easter Sunday last week, we asked, Will you welcome these new members into our family? Embrace their gifts, their needs, and their dreams. Will you recognize that their presence and participation will change the shape of the body and help it grow in new ways? Do you know what that means? That means that each person, every single one here, brings something to this community and changes us. It's in our DNA. We are not here to make you into someone who fit in with us 
and uh, have a cookie cutter and you know, the parts that we don't want, we'll chop and then you know, like when you're making cookies, right, you put the stem and then you remove the parts that you don't want. We welcome you as you are. And as you become part of this community, you change, we change, and we grow together. That's FCC. So on Monday, Thursday, you know, the intimate service we had, after the foot washing, Lynette pointed out, you know, in some churches when they wash feet, it's just splashing water. And here at FCC, you go all the way. You go into the crevices in between the toes and you scrub and you really wash. It was a very interesting observation because it's something that I didn't realize. It's what we do, right? But one thing that I know, because back in 2004, the very first Monday's Thursday service was the one that I conceptualized and I did in a function room in a condo. 2004. And then, hello, when we first did it, it was splashing water. You would just, psh, 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 and then use a towel, wipe dry, and then that's it. But somewhere along the way, someone poured out their awe, their hearts. Perhaps it was their experience at a spa. <laughs> Maybe. Or perhaps, I think, I think it's more like how they've experienced a loved one wash their feet and pour out that love to that person during the Monday Thursday service. And all those around, in, and the person whose feet was washed, cannot help, all those who witnessed that, cannot help but be changed. Because once we have seen it, once we have experienced it, once we have witnessed love, and how love looks like, we cannot help but to do it as well. It was amazing watching Emmett and Sophia standing by watching, learning how to wash feet. But it wasn't just the two of them. It wasn't just the youth and the, the children of the church that was learning. We were all learning. We express love in the manner that we have been loved. In other words, if we have not experienced love in a certain way, we wouldn't know how to love in that way. We are all broken people. But it is when we experience that love, we are able to go, that is love, and I know the manner how to express it. If we have not, I mean, lots of people talk about the five languages of love. And sometimes, in some areas, we are weak in, you know, in one area or maybe we prefer the other area. But perhaps when we experience love in a way that we don't normally express, we learn how to express it in that way. I don't know who that person who introduced this very dedicated way of feet washing to struck in between the toes, to really pour out the love into it. But this person changed how we did things here. We were changed by this one person and it spread throughout our community. The disciples were changed by Thomas' presence. Thomas was the one who was willing to ask questions. Thomas was the one who was willing to express himself, willing to express doubt, willing to express what is on his mind. 
I came across this on Facebook this week and I thought it was very helpful. Make sure your circle includes people who tell you no. Are you sure? Have you thought about it this way? That was inappropriate. We have to have people in our circles who push back, challenge, and therein make us better, and all from a place of love. This is by you know, someone on Twitter called Top Nestlony. But I think this applies to us in our personal lives and also in community as well. We need Thomases here and Thomases in our lives. So who is this Thomas? When Jesus told the disciples, let us go back to Judea, when they got news of um, Lazarus falling sick, and then, you know, Jesus waited two days, and then said, let us go back to, uh, to Judea, the disciples were actually very concerned and said to Jesus, but Rabbi, a short while ago, the religious authorities tried to stone you, and yet you want to go back? And Jesus explained to them, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake, I'm glad I was not there, so that you, might be, you may believe. But let us go to him. And Thomas was the one who jumped up and said, let us, go also, let us also go, that we may die with him. Thomas said, let us go, that we may die with him. Thomas was also the first to speak up after Jesus told them, do not let your hearts be troubled. You have faith in God, have faith in me as well. In God's house, there are many dwelling places. Otherwise, how could I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? I'm indeed going to prepare a place for you, and then I will come back to take you with me, that where I am, where I am, there you may be as well. You know the way that leads to where I'm going. And, huh? The disciples were all like, Okay, what's Jesus talking about? Yet, it was Thomas who says, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? Thomas was quick to express his question, his doubt, and that's who Thomas is. So from what Thomas has said, well, these are all from the Gospel of John, let us go with him. Let us also go, that we may die with him. From John chapter 11, um, John, uh, Thomas also said, Lord, we don't know where you are going. How can we know the way? John, uh, and Thomas also said, unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and the, my hand in his side, I will not believe. And then his exclamation, my Lord and my God, when Jesus showed up and showed him his hands and his wound on his side. So from these, from what Thomas has said, these four different times, what impression do you have of Thomas? Not just from the passage that we, the lecturing passage for today, but everything else. What's your impression of Thomas? What kind of person do you think Thomas was? Reactive, an honest, a true friend, love of God, authentic, true to himself, skeptic, but also a faithful believer, 
loving and earnest, he likes to be sure, inquisitive, a skeptic, painfully earnest guy, careful and neat proof, here to see, to believe, he doesn't accept hearsay, straightforward, real, outspoken, cautious, skeptical. I'm not so sure about cautious because if he was cautious, he might not have wanted to go with Jesus back to Judea and risk getting stoned, right? Frank, direct, irritating, possibly. He needs to see to believe he has the courage and faith to follow Jesus. Maybe traumatized? I don't know. Authentic? So thank you for your responses. So let us think more about who this Thomas is, right? Thomas said, let us go that we may die with him. I think Thomas was really willing to die with Jesus. But when confronted with the reality of certain death, he fell short. The male disciples, Thomas included, scattered when Jesus was arrested and crucified. This is not to belittle them, but rather show us how human they were. This is an important reminder for all of us. We can declare with our lips how we are willing to do this or do that for Christ. But when the occasion comes, we may just fall short, just like the disciples. And we need to be aware of that. And we will be forgiven. Thomas is also very honest, like what some of you said, you know, frank, authentic. Thomas was honest about his doubts. He spoke from his mind and his heart. And in so doing, he demonstrated vulnerability. He's like the classmate in class uh, who's willing to ask questions and look stupid in front of everyone. And sometimes we will find him very irritating because you know, he keeps interrupting, like, Jer, I don't know. Jer, can you repeat? So when we have understood what the teacher is saying, we will find him irritating, annoying, and slowing down the class. But very often, the reality is that actually we don't understand also. We don't understand what the teacher said, but we are too afraid to show that we don't understand, so we keep quiet. It takes a lot of courage and willingness to be vulnerable to ask questions, to show that we don't know, to show that we are not sure, to show that we are uncertain. And these questions lead us into deeper understanding. And not just for the one raising the questions, but for everyone else in the room. I've conducted many classes for FCC, and often I'm very worried because no one asks questions. And in my mind, I know that, confirm, you, you will not catch 100% of what I said. And I always like those people who ask questions because it helps shed light in what I'm trying to say. Because, you know, I, am not, I may not be the best teacher in the world. And sometimes I need to understand which part you don't understand to paraphrase it in such a way that you would. And I think we need people like Thomas. Thomas, they didn't get it, the disciples didn't get it when Jesus talked about where he was going. Right? They all thought where he was going was actual, an actual place. And you know, like Thomas misunderstood the way to be an actual path to somewhere. We don't know where we are going 
oh, we don't know where you are going, so where can, you know, how can we follow the way? But Jesus was talking about the way in a metaphorical manner because Jesus is the way. If everyone remains silent and too embarrassed to show they didn't catch it because they don't want to look stupid to each other, all of them are trying to be smarter than the other, run faster than the other to the tomb, out, you know, outrank one another, jostling for the seat next to Jesus. No one wants to look stupid. But Thomas was willing. And they didn't, he didn't pretend that he got it. And if he did, then, nobody, then Jesus wouldn't go on to explain more. Then they will all remain in the state of not understanding and not getting it. So to call him doubting Thomas, it's really unfair to him. And there's one more reason, and I said it just now as well. Because all the other male disciples were also doubters. They didn't believe when the women, Mary Magdalene, uh, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them, told them what happened in the tomb. In Luke chapter 24, verse 11, but they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Well, the ten disciples' words seem to be like nonsense to Thomas as well. Isn't it hypocritical to call him doubting Thomas and not calling the other disciples doubting Thomas? They too needed proof. They believed because Jesus showed up. They saw Jesus too. They got the proof. So to me, Thomas is like one of the first progressive Christians because he was honest about his thoughts, his doubts, he was willing to question. He was willing to be vulnerable. He was open-minded and willing to change his mind when presented with new evidence. You know, Jesus showed up. Nah, hence my wound. And immediately, he just exclaimed, My Lord, my God. His doubt led him to deeper faith. That's progressive Christianity in a nutshell. Doubt can be healthy, right? Because we do not get overconfident and become so certain about something and sticking to it when in fact that we are wrong. What's worse is that we are proven wrong, we still dig in and insist that we are right. That is not holding on to the truth. This doubt actually helps us ask the question, could I maybe be wrong here? Maybe I made a mistake. And that helps us correct ourselves. Because we are all imperfect. We are all human. We all do not know everything. There were so many times I was absolutely certain that I was right, that I got angry at people when they suggested I was wrong. There was at least three occasions when I was travelling with someone and I was absolutely sure that's the right way that when the person just asked, are you sure? I just reacted, yes, I'm sure. And guess what? It turned out that I was wrong. And we spent an extra 10 minutes walking a certain direction until I realised, oh. <laughs> I have since learned that it's okay to be doubted. When my friend doubted my sense of direction, it wasn't an attack on my character. 
So why should I react as though it was? He was just checking to see whether I made a mistake because we are human and I can be wrong. And I can be wrong very often. This is that journey. When someone doubts us, we need to be clear what they are doubting. Are they doubting our integrity and our character? Or they are doubting our, our, not our judgment? Because our judgment can be wrong. We need to be clear. Sometimes when we're insecure about ourselves, then we take every doubt as an attack of our integrity and character. That requires growth. And I think in these two years, I've grown a little bit. I'm a little better when people ask, are you sure? And then I, I will stop, take a step back and think, am I sure? The late Rachel Help Evans said, my point is, doubt is the mechanism by which faith evolves and matures. It's the only way we can slow away the false fundamentals that obscure and sometimes poison the gospel. If embracing that means I celebrate doubt, then let me be the first to offer a toast. It is true questioning and doubt that we grow in faith and arrive with the exclamation, my Lord and my God. Doubt helps us gain clarity as we investigate and dig deeper. It is hard work. But there's something else to this. Because if you do this hard work, you arrive at a faith that you arrived at. Not something that someone told you or passed on to you or forced upon you. It is what you arrived at. And so that faith is something that you know in the core of your being. Faith is not just repeating what you have been taught. You need to own it. To believe it, you need to experience it for yourself. And it is not just intellectual. Some people think that faith means you don't doubt. You cannot question. And especially you cannot question a pastor. Oh, that's very different here at FCC. Uh, we encourage you to question. Because your questions help us get sharper. Your questions bring something to the body and this community. But if you, and if you, when you look at this passage, that it is Jesus appeared to the disciples, minus Thomas, and yet they were still gathering behind closed doors a week later. Yeah, they saw the evidence, they know, you know, they rejoiced, but they were still in fear. And they too only believed when they saw it for themselves. And after Jesus appears to them a second time, what did they go and do next? Did they go out to do what Jesus told them as the Abba God sent me, so I sent you? No. They went back to what they were used to. They went fishing. Even after they witnessed and seen Jesus in the flesh, they still lacked faith. Because faith takes time. It takes time to build up. It takes experiences to build up. It's not just time. Uh. If you sit there and do nothing, time will not do anything. It takes you to 
wrestle. Just as Jesus met them where they were, just like how Jesus met Thomas where he was. He said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands and reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. He met Thomas' need to see to believe. We don't know whether, you know, though a lot of depictions in art right, show Thomas touching Jesus' side, but we don't know whether that really happened for sure. You know, just witnessing it is enough, right? But also, I love um, the previous painting um, by Caravaggio where Jesus holds on to Thomas' hands and pulling it towards his side. Jesus will meet us where we are in our unbelief, in our doubts, in our questioning. And then, and then, there comes a point where we take a leap of faith to trust, to surrender, and to walk on water. There is one part of faith that you cannot prove. There's one part of faith, that, that gap, that we need to jump and trust God. Because we, if we can be absolutely certain about it, we no longer need faith. So when that point comes, be aware of it. Don't go continue searching on for proof. Because that proof will not, there won't be any proof. Last week, well, not last week, on Palm Sunday, I talked about the death penalty. All right? And I said, I wasn't aware of the protest against the death penalty in Holland Park. And if I was aware, I wonder if I've gone down to support. Would I have told myself I'm tired, I want to rest, or, you know, is it you know, maybe raining, then I don't want to go down? Or if I was more honest, perhaps I might say I don't want to get into trouble, and I don't want to get FCC in trouble. And in my silence, I've joined the crowd that shouts, crucify him. In my silence, I've supported the death penalty. You know how strange things move, right? Again, the opportunity presented itself. And this time, I am aware. Um, and I'm going down. The organizers for the um, candlelight virtue for Nagan reached out to me. Um, he's scheduled to be executed this coming week. And they want to hold a candlelight virtue. Perhaps you are ambivalent about the death penalty. Perhaps you think it isn't important. But during this season when we celebrate resurrection, that love is stronger than death, we, then we need to think about what it means to take away a life. Put away all the arguments for and against the death penalty and just remember one word. Mercy. What is required of us? The prophet Micah says, do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with God. Mercy. 
Pray for me are the last words Negan said to Kokila Anamalai, the co-founder of Transformative Justice Collective. They are the ones behind this, um, um, this candlelight Virgil. I hope that many people will show up, even if you don't know what to say. And even if you are for the death penalty, because even if you are for the death penalty, doesn't mean that you do not show mercy to people. Mercy to this young man who is intellectually disabled, who is facing the end of his life. I hope that people will show up even if it rains cats and dogs. I hope people will show up even though they think that it will not change the outcome. I hope people will show up even if they are afraid. Jesus tells us to visit those who are in prison. Whosoever does this for the least of these is doing for me. We cannot visit Nagan, but we can show up at this Virgil. Show up to pray for Nagan and all those on death row in Singapore. They will know we are Christians by our love. And we show our love not by singing worship songs in airplanes, but by standing up for the least amongst us for people who do not look like us, or for people who don't share the same faith as us. This is what it means to be unashamed of being Christian. Then our actions will show who we are and who we say we follow. Amen. We gather each Sunday at this table, even though at this time we are not all physically together. The table of God's feast transcends time and space because God's love transcends all boundaries. So this table recognizes no boundaries. Here at FCC, we celebrate an open table. This means you do not need to meet any criteria. You do not have to be a member of FCC. You do not have to be baptized you only need to recognize that God's grace is sufficient. When Jesus sat at tables and broke bread with the tax collectors, lawyers, rich elites, and poor peasants, he proclaimed that God's radical love and abiding presence knows no bounds. Through these occasions of sharing food, every person experienced God and shared in God's kingdom. A kingdom, a kingdom where, where all are welcome, all are worthy, and all are invited. A kingdom where lives are transformed and empowered, and the fruits of God's gentle justice bloom throughout creation. All people, including each of us, are invited to share in this sacred meal of celebration and be strengthened by the presence of God in this place. We remember, we remember that, that Jesus, Jesus fed 5,000 hungry people with five loaves of bread and two fish. At this miraculous meal, there was such an abundance that everyone ate until they were full 
and there were even twelve baskets of food left over. Holy God, we celebrate your abundant care and solidarity revealed in this meal. We remember that while sharing a meal with the, with the Pharisees, Jesus welcomed a woman viewed as an outsider. As the woman anointed his feet with oil, Jesus declared her dignity before everyone at the meal. Holy God, we celebrate your gracious inclusiveness revealed in this meal. At these meals, Jesus and all his disciples resisted the divisions, injustice and violence of society. They lived out instead the kingdom of God, a place of love, justice and mutuality. But we also recognise that not all people liked Jesus' ministry. For some people, it was scandalous. They said, said, look, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. When his arrest seemed near, Jesus ate a meal in an upper room with the disciples. As he had done so many times before, he took bread, and after having given thanks to you, holy God, he broke it and gave it to the disciples, this time saying, do this to remember me. After the meal, he shared the wine, gave thanks and said, I will not drink of this cup again until I drink it with you in the kingdom of God. The stewards come forward to distribute elements.
Jesus was then unjustly killed by the systems of domination of his day. To some of his frightened disciples, it seemed that the bread symbolized his broken body and the wine his blood. God, the kingdom of God persisted and persists today through the many people who seek to be your resurrection community. Holy God, in the sharing of this bread and wine, we joyfully celebrate the hope-inspiring ministry and resurrection of Jesus Christ. May all partake of the elements together. And I invite you all, as you are willing and able, to stand and join me in a prayer of communion. All together. Gracious God, may, may this meal be for us an Emmaus meal, where we encounter your presence in the sharing of this food as the disciples did at their meal in Emmaus. May the sharing of this food be a taste of your kingdom, holy God so that we may be strengthened to be your joyful and hopeful disciples. And, and may, may we share in your kingdom, kingdom of love, justice, justice and mutuality with those around us. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Welcome again to the Sunday service of Free Community Church, where free stands for First Realize Everyone's Equal. FCC is an inclusive and affirming church. This means you're welcome here regardless of your theological position, your um, gender identity, your sexual orientation, economic status, or any other labels the world puts on you. To our members and all those who worship with us regularly, and to those joining us for the first time, welcome home. My name is Wendy, and I am the service leader for today. If you are watching this online and the sermon has blessed you, please give the video a like and subscribe to our channel. If you're new to our church, or this is the first time you're joining us online or on site, we invite you to leave your details at fcc.law slash welcome or scan the QR code and our pastors or staff will connect with you to find out how we can serve your needs. We also have a newcomers meeting at the end of each month uh, immediately after service. This is a chance for you to meet our pastors and some of our leaders and learn more about who we are and, uh, and what we believe as a church. The next meeting will be today um, after service, and you can sign up by emailing info at freecomechurch.org. So now let's continue to worship God with our giving. 
Offering is a time in which we express our gratitude and reliance on God. So with joy, let us offer our gifts to God. There are two ways that you can give using PayNow by scanning the QR code on the screen or on the backs of the chairs. The first QR code is for the general fund, which goes primarily towards our staff salaries and operational expenses. The second QR code is for the building fund, uh, which goes towards paying the mortgage on this property. You can also give by credit card at freecomchurch.give.asia. Please note that there is a 1.5% platform fee for credit card giving, but we are grateful for giving in any form. So now please join me in prayer for this offering. Let us pray. God of all peoples and God of all places, we present these offerings that they may be used to extend your liberating reign. With them, we offer our work and service that each of us may know may be a part of your answer to the cries of the world. Amen. I now invite the stewards forward to collect the offering. So if you're on site and you wish to drop cash in the bags, uh, please raise your hand and uh, the stewards will come to you. So while the stewards are going around, uh, we do have some announcements. So the first is regarding the T-Mart um, project, uh, which reaches out to, um, uh, well, this, this time around, it's eight um, elderly um, transgender uh, women um, in the community. So uh, there are three more items that are looking for donors. Uh, so in order to give, first you go to the website, uh, fcc.law slash t-mart. Uh, and you just sign up for the items you wish to donate, and you'll be given two options. So uh, one is the group buy, and uh, just note that the closing date is today. So you, uh, you can select that option, and then it'll give you directions on how uh, you can contribute. Uh, the other way is to make the purchase yourself, and you drop it off at FCC, and you see kind of that, that wagon. It's going to be in that room in the back. Um, and you can drop it off latest by next Sunday. Okay, and uh, you know we I think we have uh, a lot of people did volunteer for for to pack uh, the the, um, the items, uh, but if you uh, wish to drop by and see if we need more help, uh, that will be next Sunday, uh, so one thirty to fifteen p.m. So you can go for lunch first and then come back. Okay, um, okay, so uh, we are looking for new board members. So if you're a member and you're interested in you know, how the board works, uh, you can join us for the next um, board meeting, which is on the 11th of June. It's a Saturday uh, from 9.30 a.m. to 1 p.m. Uh, and, uh, and you can just offer, um, email info at freecomchurch.org if you are interested in uh, joining us. Okay, so now I invite Pastor Pauline to give us the benediction. Now, may I invite you to stand as you are willing and able to receive the benediction. God, we confess 
that there are times when we doubt. There are times when we are afraid. And we are paralyzed. God, we are asking you, help us. Help us to embrace our doubts. Especially if it would help us deepen our faith in you. God, send us out as your resurrection people that we may go out in faith, in love, for mercy, for justice, because of all that you have done for us. You have raised us up to life, so now go. Go as God's people of life to give life into this world that so sorely needs it. And may the God, our God of resurrection, of justice, of love, go with you always. Amen. So thank you so much for joining us for service this morning. I uh, just want to wish you a very blessed week ahead and may God go with you. And please be seated.